I just noticed I got this up here. You can go to the special worship team. Um, it says, pray for Robert Madrid. Somebody put this up here? Huh? You did. Oh. Rebecca, okay, she's in ICU. Almost passed away last night. Okay, so, you know, before we get in the middle, so this, this, this is very important. Amen? So let's take time to pray for Robert Madrid. Amen. Amen. Father, we come before you and we pray for Robert Madrid. He's in ICU. And we know that he almost uh, passed away last night. And God, you know uh, that it's appointed once for a man to die. And we're, we don't, we're not trying to adjust his appointment. You are in charge. But we ask, God, that you would have your way in this situation. That if it's your will, you would heal him and you would touch him and raise him up, Lord God. And as he's raised up, Lord God, he would begin to be a testimony of your power, your grace, your mercy. That he would reach out to you in his time of need. Lord, I pray for the family members that are involved and are being affected, directly affected. I ask God that you would begin to speak to their heart and they would seek comfort in you. I speak to the surgeons, the doctors, and all those who are taking care of them, that you would give them a keen eye, sharp minds, do what they need to do. We thank you in advance for answering our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said amen and amen. Go ahead and take your chairs, please. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to the book of John, chapter 12. And we've actually been going through this, this chapter verse by verse. And John 12, 8 reads like, like this. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Now, what was happening, one of the disciples complained to Jesus about a waste of money and trying to sound very noble in his, which was actually ignoble, but he was trying to sound noble that, um, and said that the money could have been spent on helping the poor. And that's something that sounds nice. And then Jesus retorted and said, you're going to always have the poor. But you're not always going to have me. See, and we've been talking about praise for the last seven or six prior sermons. These last two before this one, we we're covering stories in John 12. But we understood this, and we learned that today is that we don't bring animal sacrifices as time passed. When we come to church, you're to bring something. You're not here just to receive, and although you may receive or to enjoy the music, in which we do enjoy the music, or enjoy each other's company. We're called to come to church, and we do bring a sacrifice. We bring a sacrifice of praise. We praise the Lord. Our praise not only is here it's like a culmination of perhaps a week or a few days, but it should be continual, sacrificial, audible with our with our with our mouth and, and in reverent fear. So we come with that kind of posture and we bring a sacrifice of praise. A few weeks ago we talked about not only bringing a sacrifice of praise here in church, but we have to have a continual presence of God. Uh, in other words, when you walk out the door, you don't say, okay, see you later, God. Thank you. I had a great time. I'll see you later. But um, right now I'm going to go out here in the world and go sin, which may be the habit of a few. 
No, no, we practice the continual presence of God. In other words, having a God consciousness. God is always on your mind. So it's very difficult to do wrong when you're always thinking about God. <coughs> right? It's very hard. If you're thinking about other things, then it's easy to do what those other things want you to do. Right? Not only, not just God conscious, I, I call it practicing the presence of God. So in other words, you walk around and you're practicing that God is always with you. Because people say, God will never leave me or forsake me, which is true, but they don't act like it. If, God, if you practice in the present and you know that he'll never leave you or forsake you, the minute you're getting tempted, and everybody's temptation is different. Some is sex, some is drugs, some is whatever. Whatever your temptation is, if you're practicing the presence of God, it's very hard to continue in that. And if you do continue in that, you haven't been practicing very well. Right? And then we came into three stories that we found in, 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 in John 12. First was the story of, of Mary. And Mary took a pound of very costly perfume and anointed the feet of Jesus. And then she began to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair. And the Bible says that the house was filled with fragrant smell, fragrant. And what we need to understand is that perfume that she gave to Jesus and she only used it on his feet was valued at about a year's wage. That's why Judas complained about all the money she wasted. And that was what I talked about earlier. This perfume could have been sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor is what Judas, um, the traitor, began to complain about. See, when people pretend to care more about the people than what God is doing, then something's wrong. Be careful of them, right? Because God cares about the people more than we ever can, yeah. right? <laughs> we can act like we care. Oh, I fed the poor and I did all that, whoop-de-whoop-de-whoop. And most often time, if we do that, we do it with wrong motives, just to ease our conscience. And God doesn't want you to operate to ease your conscience. He wants you to operate because you love him. Amen. It's a big difference. And here was Judas to ease his conscience because he just wanted the money. He said, we could have gave that to the poor. See, Mary illustrates four things about worship because she did take a step out when that story. Mary taught us that if you're going to worship, you need to risk yourself. In other words, she was all in. She was vulnerable, and without vulnerability, there is no worship. If you're, if you're, you know, some people are too, um, too concerned with how, how people perceive them, how they look at them, and they want to be cool. No, no, no. You have to be vulnerable in your worship. She risked that. Not only was she, she, did she risk, take a risk, but Mary risked her image by her act of worship. She didn't really care what people thought. She was worshiping Jesus. Imagine her friends. What is wrong with you, Mary? What's wrong with you? Get on your knees and wiping that guy's feet with your hair. Aren't you? You're embarrassing. Could you imagine the scene? But no, she didn't care about her image because she had Jesus there. Amen. Huh? Mary was, not only did she risk herself and, and risk her image, but she was extravagant. In her expression of worship. She didn't just give a nickel or a dime. She dropped a whole year's wage Come on. on the feet of Jesus. Amen. Come on now. That's a heavy type of worship. See, now you can see this, this woman right here truly had an experience with God. That's why J Jesus said earlier, you can always have the poor, but you're not always going to have me. So some people think they can just give Jesus second best and expect Jesus to come. Jesus, I need your help now. Jesus is not genie 
in Aladdin's lamp. Right. right? And Mary showed us not only was she extravagant, but she generously gave as an act of worship. That was her worship. As we moved on to the second story, again, I'm trying to give you a review to bring you where we're at here. We covered three things about the Mary-Martha syndrome. That's what I call it, because there was two sisters, Mary and Martha, right? And, and, and one was working, 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 Martha. And people will always place what they do in place of relational worship. And see, although worship should make you work, what you do doesn't make, get you any closer to God. Who you are gets you closer to God. Now, who you are should compel you to do something, but oftentimes, because we're like that, we reverse it. We think if we do, 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 God will like you more. No, that doesn't impress God. No, it impresses maybe people. It may even impress the pastor. Wow, look what they're doing, they're working hard. And, 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 but that, I'm not the one who, who you need to impress. The one you need to impress is Jesus, and he's looking at the heart. Why are you doing this? Are you doing it because you love me? Are you doing it because you love the people I died for? Or are you doing it because you want to look good or, 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 or you're trying to hide sight? So there's a whole different uh, syndrome that we discussed in detail several weeks ago. We also look, because there's always a temptation to take shortcuts. There's no shortcuts at the top of the hill. Amen. Right, I have, I have a message I'm working on about mountain biking. Now you know what I mean, the mountain bike, right? And one thing about mountain biking, when you go up, you go real slow, but it's hard. You know, I was in California, did a six mile, six and a half miles up the hill, up, 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 up. And when we got to the top of the hill, I'll never forget what the guy said. We're, we're, we ride up the hill, and I was the last one, but I was the old guy, but I made it. Even, even my son Johnny goes, Pop, you made it. I go, shoot, that's right. Oh. May have been slow, but I got here, right? And then I got to the top of Garen Park, right? And we're overlooking the city, right? And there was a bench there, old, like old rickety, ugly bench that somebody built. I don't know why they built. And we sat down, and the one guy next to me, his name is oh, Joshua, he, go, he goes, see this view, Pastor? I go, yeah. Well, he goes, you have to earn this view. Come on. Well. Boy, God spoke to me. You got to earn it. Yeah. Huh? See, there's no, there's no shortcut, shortcuts in your walk with Jesus. Salvation is free. He just comes down and he doesn't ask you to do anything. But you, if you want a relationship with God, you have to earn it. Yeah. Right. It doesn't go, oh, here you go, poof, because you were born. That's it. No, 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 no. The Calvary Road is a rocky road. Well, you got to go through crevices and nooks and and valleys and bump your knees and, and fall down. Amen? Amen. But, and get back up. You're going to have to earn the view. No shortcuts. See, God isn't seeking more workers. He's seeking more worshipers. Right? Amen. The, the, the syndrome. Then we talked about the crowds and how the crowds would come. And in John 12, 12, let's read that very quickly. It says that on the next day, a large crowd who came to the, fe to the feast, when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. See, so the crowds teach us this, that we cannot remain private in our worship. And so that's the big lie in the United States. You know, a religion is a, is a private thing. 
And, and then the government feeds it where, where you can't bring it up or, or there's a separation. There's no separation. It's as if you can separate God from anything. Uh, worship is not a private thing. It is an open thing. We worship in spirit and truth. We're not ashamed of the gospel. In, in fact, the Bible says that if you're ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you. Matthew 10, 33 is a very precise scripture. It, it cuts to the chase when it says, but whoever denies me before men, him I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. So we not only must be, be, uh, not, not remain private, we, we must be active worshipers. Do something with our worship. Yeah. Actively uh, move and, and not just dancing around. That doesn't mean you're just dancing and spinning. And I'm okay with people dancing and jumping. Right now in the outreach, all the young people, they, they always come when we have events, they just jump like crazy. That's cool. Amen? But I'm not talking about that. Active worship means you have a relationship, you're worshiping God, and it compels you to do something. Well, now everybody's a little different, but why do you think we, we encourage church involvement? Because we understand the thing. We understand one thing. If your worship is not active, it'll fade away. Right, whatever. And then that, that's true to anything. If, 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 you know, I used to, I was a bass player, and I was really good. When I was young, we traveled. But now, because I haven't played a lot, I haven't been active, I'm losing my chops. We call it chops. Right? I can't play a lot of things. I used to be real good. Now I'm losing. Why? Because I wasn't active. I don't care what you play. When I was a kid, I had a basketball Jones. Right, I used to break ankles. Right now, if I try breaking ankles, it'd probably be mine. Amen. <laughs> right? Because why? I'm not active in that. And the same with worship. If you're if you if you're not active in your worship, then you're gonna lose something. Yeah. Then we need to personalize our worship of Jesus. It's a personal thing. There's an active, transparent one, open. There's, there's an active one, but there's also a personal thing. There's a personal time where you, could, you should have some personal time away from Jesus in your own room where you break before the Lord. When's the last time that you broke before the Lord? Hmm? Then lastly, the crowds audibly declared their allegiance in worship. They were aligned with them. Then we concluded my last sermon on entering God's prayer with praise. And it was an acronym that we used, praise. Praise is personal. It begins with our deep feelings of God. R, praise is reverent, rooted in humility. A, praise is appreciative and continually gives thanks to God. I, praise is illuminating. It illuminates who you are. So when you worship God and God becomes closer to you, the light turns on and it's like going into your restroom in the morning when you first wake up. You, you, you don't hit the light, but when you stand in front of the mirror and all of a sudden you hit the light, ah! The light shows who you are, right? You know what I'm talking about, ladies, with no makeup. Right? You better be right with God on that one, amen? It illuminates who we are, right? S, praise, is sincere. It's sincere, it's honest, it's meaningful. You're doing it not because for, to impress, but you're doing it because you love the Lord and, and there's, God has done something for you and you want to say thank you, God. Yeah. And last, praise is enthusiastic, E. Enthusiastic, we get the word entheo. Remember that, that, that Greek word, entheo. Entheo means God in you, entheo. So when you're enthusiastic, it's because God is in you. 
you're so excited, you can't contain it. That's why I'm amazed if God is in you, some people, well, I'm, I'm, I'm reserved and I'm shy. I don't care what you is. If God is in you, if into you, it's got to make you shake or do something. Into you. And then we pick up this last story. The story of the Greeks in worship. Again, to understand, the Greeks were not the chosen people. But they were very uh, intellectual type of mind. They, they would always seek answers, have long debates. And they, they studied. Paul even argued with the Greeks on Mars Hill and debated about the unknown God. Because the, the Greeks had all these gods. And they even had one that they didn't know. Just in case they missed one, they put the unknown God. And Paul debated them about the unknown God. And he named that unknown God. He told them who the unknown God was. But these weren't the Jews. They weren't the chosen people. But these Greeks came seeking Jesus. Let's pick up the story in John 12, 20. John 12, 20. When you have it, say amen. amen. Now there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loses his life, lose, uh, he who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, if you notice that there's four truths here, but notice, notice what happens. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I can't help it. He asked Jesus, we want to see Jesus. And notice the answer. He didn't even answer them. He began to discuss about dying. He began to discuss about bearing fruit. See, sometimes we think we want to come and see Jesus in church and we want to feel Jesus. And, and, and then we leave church. How come I didn't feel it? And how come I didn't touch it? Because here's the answer. You're, you're alive. Your life is still your own. You haven't really chosen to follow Jesus. You want to live a better life. You want to do the right thing. But you're kind of in the valley of indecision. And we I want to see Jesus. And Jesus says, unless someone dies. And then we walk out of the church all unfulfilled. Say, man, Pastor Al can't preach worth a lick. So we all want to see Jesus. Right? To the Greeks teach us about worship. They teach us, first of all, to be willing to seek Jesus. So we want to, so we're in the right place. Well, at least we're in the right step. Right? So worship is seeking Jesus. Now, if we're seeking Jesus, we see the answer. Eventually, we have to come to that answer where let's a grain of wheat dies. But what happens along the way, so many voices are, are, are causing our attention. We don't get to that point. Uh, we almost miss out. Right? Well, we're there, but we don't go all the way, so we don't really see Jesus. And then what happens is because we never get the true view of what God wants for your life, we get a different perspective of Jesus. And think, we think that we've come to understand who Jesus is. 
And so you have a whole world full of people who've never truly died, who are unwilling to sacrifice their lives, who have a perspective of Jesus, and they think they're correct. Unless, he says, a grain of seed dies. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life will gain it. Wow. See, a simple yet sincere request. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And then he says, if, if one dies, one bears much fruit. What is he saying? So we see Jesus in the fruit you produce. So you want to see Jesus? Then you need to produce fruit. If you don't produce fruit, I don't, the Bible never talks about what happens if you don't produce fruit, if you ever see Jesus. You may see church. You may see religion. Because why? There's two things that, that fulfill all scripture. Love God and, your, and then love your neighbor. So that, that just stands a reason. If we're going to love our neighbor and you want to see Jesus, you think Jesus will give it up just because, oh, you're so nice. No, 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 no. Remember the mountain bike? You got to earn it. See, the Greeks specifically found where Jesus would be. Worship is more than seeking Jesus. It's finding him. And Jesus not only was telling them what they must do, he was telling them what he was going to do. And imagine, Jesus was all human, so he knew a grain of seed had to die, and he also knew that he was going to die, so he had to come to terms with his life. He had to be willingly, and the Bible says that he willingly gave his life up a ransom for many. Why? Because he had to come to a point, and that word love doesn't mean, uh, or let me read that again, it says if anyone loves his life, loses it, 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 it means not the kind of love we're thinking. We're saying, it says, if you look at your life as more important than God's plan. Jesus had to come to terms. 33-year-old man had to say, I'm going to give my life up. Why do you think he said, God, if there's another way? Is there an easier way? Hmm? No. To get to the top of the mountain, you have to earn it. Why? Because the devil tried to let him have everything when he first started. Because the devil took him to the top of the mountain. And at that mo moment, the devil could have gave him everything. And he didn't even have to earn it. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Devil, you're a liar. I know that to get to the top, I need to earn it. There's a price that has to be paid. Somebody has to pay a price for the salvation of your family, your friends, of this community, of this neighborhood, of this city, of this state. Somebody has to earn it. See, finding him may require a price. He who loves his life loses it. Wow. Matthew 13, 45. It's like a sister scripture, very interesting scripture as well. It says there, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a merchant seeking godly or goodly pearls. Who, when he found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. The pearl of great price is the church. Jesus tells Peter, his disciples, 
that what you you just call me the son of God human flesh and blood do not reveal that to you Peter on that on that revelation I will build my church and the the gates of hell shall not prevail against it the church see the pearl of great price is the church now the church is not this building no 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 the the people the church are the people the people so he said the merchant found where the pearl was at where is the pearl it's in you it's in you the pearl of great price look to your neighbors hey pearl and this merchant having found the pearl sold everything and bought it very similar to Mary who saw Jesus and began to weep at his feet and took a year's salary and poured it on his feet. She bought it. Yeah. Worship. We're talking worship. That, my friend, is worship. Yeah. The other thing we learn about Greeks, not only they, were, they, they, they found where Jesus would be, and third, the Greeks, they were teachable. They were willing to accept the lesson that Jesus was explaining to them at that moment. And that teachable spirit is easily identifiable. So when a person is willing to ask questions, because God doesn't want you to come in blind. He wants you to come with your eyes wide open. He doesn't want to trick you, ah, ha, 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 now you got to pay a price. No, he tells you up front. He lets you know they got a call for you. I got a plan for your life. There's something special for you. I'm going to bless you beyond you can ever imagine. Yeah. However, there's a price. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the price is people begin to mock you. Oh, man, you're a hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh you, go, you, you get too religious now. Yeah. We don't know. Sometimes the price could be whatever. I look at my daughter. She's, now she's going to go with Pastor Sonny. But she paid a price, man. Uh, when I went to see where she was living, she was living in like a closet. Her and her husband paying a price, and they were discipling 40. Well, she had 40 girls, and there was 40 uh, young guys at the UTC. And they, they lived in a little tiny room, training all these, these young people. And I would walk in there, and I'd go, man, I'd get, I, you know, as a dad, I go, I get upset. And I didn't say nothing. I was quiet, because as a pastor, I said, Hey, God, you're going to have a heavy call for her because she's paying a price. So as a spiritual dad, I had to fight off the carnal dad wanting to take care of a little girl. He said, you got to move out. You got to come back home. I got a nice room for you and all this. You know, you you have these visions and, you know, don't worry about that. I've seen the price for her pain. Man, and and she's been doing it for several years now. And then when when I get word directly from Pastor Sonny, he told me, I want to bring your daughter and Ray with me. Uh, you know, Pastor Sonny, you know, yeah. he, 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 he started all this, yeah. right? And, and, I, and I go, wow. Now I say, okay, she, she's going to see a mountaintop that I've never experienced, right? But she didn't get it. She's, no, it could change. But if they go there, she didn't get it for free. She had to earn it, yeah. Right? It's like anything, you know, people think you come to Christianity and everything's just free. Oh, here you go, here you go. No, the practical principles, the whole truth at your job. You're going to want to be a supervisor? You better earn it. You don't get it for free, right? You want to pay raise? You better work twice as hard as the next guy? Well, you ain't going to get it. That's that's what's wrong with this generation. they, They think they got everything coming generation. 
I call that the, the participation trophy generation. That's a bunch of malarkey participation trophy. If you get first place, you get a trophy. You get second place, you don't. Well, come on. <laughs> well, let me move back here. <laughs> Not only were they willing to ask questions, they were willing to learn. They were willing to learn, and more importantly, they were willing to grow. And growth, my friend, hurts. That's why they call it growing pains. If you're not growing, if there's no pain, you're not growing. Because growth always takes you out of your comfort zone. You want to go to the next level? If you're comfortable, and I know when I get comfortable, I go, wait a minute, I'm comfortable. We've got to change something. We've got to do something. We've got to stretch ourselves. Why? Because growth. And no one will force you to grow. You have to do it on your own. Right? And don't just think about it, you know. It's like that old, that old, you know, that old um, joke, or the joke we're saying, those five frogs on a log. You ever heard that one, right? Five frogs on a log. And, five, and one decided to jump. How many frogs were left? Five. Because deciding is not enough. You got to jump. And most people say, oh, one day I'm going to go to the gym. Oh, one day I'm going to learn how to play piano. One day, okay, that's fine. We can all decide then. Move. Come on, come on. Do something. That, that's the same thing with anything you're involved in. You can't just talk about it and have a meeting about it. You can't just decide, well, I'm going to do this. One day, no, if you keep one day, one day you're going to be old and die and forget and regret that what you did or didn't do. Got to move. So one of the first signs of decline in a person is an unteachable spirit. Lastly, the Greeks teach us that they were unashamed and became public in their search for God. They were not ashamed to share that they wanted to know about God. We want to see this Jesus and will go to great lengths to try to find it. Unlike the American culture. You, see, the American, you know what it is about the American culture? There's so much to do. Now, I've been in other countries where the only thing they worry about doing is living. Right? So we, we, don't, we don't have to pray about food. We don't have to pray about shelter. We don't have, we, a lot of things we don't have to pray about. What, what we take for granted, people are praying for. So what happens because all these basic needs are met, which praise God because we live in the greatest country in the planet, Amen. Amen? But because all these needs are met, we get preoccupied with everything else. Oh my goodness. Everything else. Right? That, that's the sin of our preoccupation. In direct difference of, of the Greeks, desire to seek, find, and learn. Well, we're always preoccupied. Especially in Colorado Springs. Right? The hunting capital of the world. Uh, let's go do this. Let's go do that. Let's go do everything else. And God, when I'm done, I'll be back. Just hang on there, Holmes. Amen. Preoccupied. See, many people come to worship with other things on their mind. And it happens, right? You walk in church and we have all these things on their mind. We're preoccupied. See, it's hard to bring a sacrifice of praise when you're thinking about whatever. Jesus would look at his disciples one time, and you, can't you just pray for me, with me for one hour? Can't you just, for, for, for two hours on a Sunday, forget everything else and focus on the Lord? 
We're just so preoccupied. And God knows that we're preoccupied with other things. Huh. We, I understand that. Why do you think I come? We come and we have a worship service. If you get just, just, just do it because it's like tradition. No. Because somehow music, when you begin to sing, if you're really focusing, you forget for a little while. You put your, 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 your sorrows aside. You put your troubles there, your trials, your tribulations. Yeah. Let me let you in on a little secret. If you do that, those trials and tribulations, don't worry. They're waiting for you when you get home. They're not going to miss you. Sometimes we just got to put them aside. Force yourself. And you know when God sees that, he knows how difficult that is for the human mind. But when he sees you doing it, you please him. And then all of a sudden you get a little bit closer to God. Why? Because you, you, you did it on purpose. No, I'm going to put this stuff aside. Because I'm here to give God a sacrifice of praise. Hmm? That's why we sing. It's like, I have an illustration, like if it's your birthday party. Let's imagine you had your birthday party. We all came to your birthday party. And you came into the room. And we all jumped up and said, surprise, right? Then as soon as we said surprise, and you looked at, and you looked for that moment, as soon as we said it, we turned around and began to talk to each other. The surprise was over. We totally ignored you. We didn't bring you any gifts. We didn't talk with you. In fact, we just talked among ourselves. And after a while, we got up and left. So that's what it's like when people come to church and don't focus on why we're here. Well, yeah. And we talk to each other. I've seen people in church on their cell phones while I'm, while I'm preaching or worshiping. And they wonder why God doesn't meet them. They, they're, they've got bad habits. Huh? The surprise and that's it? No, God, God doesn't want a surprise party. He wants an intimate talk with you. Amen. Amen. And if it's difficult to do it in this environment, how much more difficult is it for you to do at home or during the work week, 40 hours a week, in the morning, getting ready for work, coming home from work, right? Dealing with your boss, dealing with your customers, dealing with the people, dealing with your kids, dealing with your dog, get out of your dog. I mean, dealing with everything. How, how hard is it to focus on God then? So if we can't do it here, you, it's very, it'd be very surprising that you'd be able to do it anywhere else. Hmm? And so we want to enter in the presence. And these are things that we need to understand. So we have to come to Lord's part in the Lord's day and, and leave our preoccupations aside. Right? right? Some, while we're up here singing and worshiping, are looking around. You know, sometimes I wish I had like a, you know, a little button here with, for every chair. And while we're singing and worshiping, if you're looking around, hit the, ow, ow. Pay attention. Look around. Like, I don't got that. Hmm? No. But I've seen, I've noticed something in the last several weeks. Since we began this series of entering the presence, many have learned to worship. I've seen it. Huh? They're, they're, they're getting, they're focusing. You're learning to focus on God. Huh? So now when we come to the Lord's house, you're here to focus on Him. You're here to praise Him. Huh? Leave your troubles behind. Amen? Amen? One last thing before we close. God notices when you don't worship Him. 
I, I notice, but worse, or more, more significant, I can say, is God notices. He notices when you're blowing him off, when you're not taking the time to focus on him. Huh? See, what is the most important thing to remember? God knows when you are not worshiping him. Oh, you can the, fake the funk. You know, you know talk about faking the funk. You can fake it, but God knows. You can, you can convince the person next to you. If you're married, you can convince your spouse. God knows. God knows. Luke chapter 7. Uh, I'm promised we're going to close soon. Now, one of the Pharisees, Luke 7, verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman had lived a sinful life in that town, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume. This is a different story. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now, I noticed a couple of things. You notice that it's always the women that seem to get in touch with God before the men. That's just, that's just extra right there. You don't, you, don't, you don't read of any man weeping and falling on his feet and pouring perfume on his feet. Well, let me move on. <laughs> Jesus notices when you worship and when you don't worship. He, Jesus actually compares Simon's worship with the worship of a prostitute. Her worship and our worship is in direct relation to her forgiveness. And that's what we're going to look at. If you keep that story down in verse 44, let's go there. Luke 7, 44. Check this out. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon. So remember the woman is there. And she, he, she's worshiping. And she turns to the woman and speaks to him. <laughs> In other words, if you're not worshiping Jesus, he don't even want to look at you. He looked to the person who was worshiping him and spoke to Simon. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And she's, he's still looking at the woman, speaking to him. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. But she has poured, poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins, remember, she was a prostitute. Her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. What is Jesus saying? Well, let me just say it like this. What is Jesus going to say about you and me this morning? Or will he say, they didn't worship. They just came in with their problems and left the same. See, when you're worshiping God, God notices it. And he pays attention to you. And when you're not worshiping God, he notices it and doesn't even look at you.
Where do you want to be? Preoccupied? How's that close? So our text today teaches that sometimes we come serving like Mary. From 12, chapter 12 all the way, all the way down. Sometimes we, we, we come singing like the crowds. And sometimes we come seeking like the Greeks. Serve like Mary. Sing like the crowds. And seek like the Greeks. That, that's how we should come. So when we come with all of our heart focusing on him, then and only then is it worship in, in, his, in his name. Wow. It's like when a, a young couple first fall in love, right? You ever see a young couple, they fall in love? You know what I'm talking about? Especially that, that puppy love. And they call it puppy love, right? Oh, you know, it's all syrupy and sticky and, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, puppy love. But nonetheless, you can't hide that love, right? Right? When you're in love, everybody notices it, right? They can tell. Especially if you've been sing single a while after you come in and you're, there's a little more pep in your step. <laughs> and you go, what's wrong with you? Well, nothing. No, no, there's something different about you. No, what, what, what? You're in love. No, yes, you are. I can tell. Right? When you're in love, everybody notices it, right? You start brushing your teeth again. Oh. <laughs> huh? See, when you love a person, you can't hide it. Right? No. You can't hide it. You can't fake it. You're in love. This is also true about Jesus. When you're in love, you can't hide it. You can't contain it. After Jesus has done something for you, whatever it has, you can't, you can't say thank you enough. I showed my wife a picture, of, and I surpassed some, some of the guys, the picture of the guys I grew up with. I go, these are the guys I grew up with. I showed, showed the picture, you know, and all these guys just tattooed across their chest. The one guy with the tattoo, he's still in prison because he, he had to kill a couple people. He was a torpedo. And he's locked up for life. I know that, that guy lived right in the corner. This guy was my son John's first baseball coach. All tacked back. I go, these are the guys I grew up with. And if it hadn't been for God interrupting my miserable life, I don't know where I'd be. But God turned me around. Amen. And I love those guys. They're still, I still go back down there. They still call me in. Preacher, hey, Loma, call me Loma, Loma, come on, man. Pray for me. Give me your prayers. Come here, man. Give me your dudes. So I can't say thank you enough. Because hmm? I'm in love. He who's been forgiven much, loveth much. Huh? No, we come here. And I really believe. And I want you to pray with me that Victor Outreach, Colorado Springs, become that church that really loves God. We choose to serve God with all our heart. We want to lend our skills with all our mind. We release our emotions to Him with all our soul. We work in His ministry with all our strength. And we are not ashamed to love God. We're not ashamed. 
So let's walk in this world. Let's fight the good fight. Let's worship, worship our Lord. In Jesus' name. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.